0: Welcome to Too Much Not Enough, a podcast about the obsessions of two very intense people. I'm Emma Winston.
1: And I'm Darius Kazemi, and today we're going to talk to you about Ixielang. Very specific.
0: Extremely specific. But also music-related, again. Most of mine are music-related. That's fine. I mean, I think you were a musician, so, you know. (laughs) I mean, it means I'm slightly less scattergun in my interest than I thought I was, which is kind of nice.
1: Better that we go deep dives into music things than we go deep dives into I was gonna say programming things, but we're kinda doing that today too. Hey! The people
0: want that people, though. Do, also do the
1: people want that?
0: I think they probably I don't do. want
1: the people to want that.
0: So this is this is a current obsession. Like this is a current active brand new obsession for me. Whereas I think I think most of the most of the topics we've done have either been like fairly broad and general, or in the case of the Granger episode, yeah. something that kind of was an obsession that had kind of lapsed that I was revisiting. This is like happening right now. And it's in my head all the time. And I subtweeted Darius and was like, really want to do a podcast on Ixielang, really want to do it soon. And Darius was like, yes.
1: How did you come all right, do we start with how did you get to it first or do we start oh. with what it is first?
0: Okay, it's a programming language for making music. Specifically, it is a programming language that is used for live coding, which should I define live coding? Yeah, I talk about I talk should. about live coding. I mean, my understanding of live coding and I might be I might be using a definition that's way too narrow. Please correct me if so. Is that it's it's creating a computer program of some kind in real time that an audience gets to watch being pieced together like live.
1: That's a exactly that... perfect uh, okay, definition. Great. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I which I assume can also exist in like non creative contexts. Like, do people do it at conferences and stuff?
1: Well, so for example, like uh, I used to do Google Hangouts that people could tune into, and they could like watch me code. A thing, And usually it was creative because I'm usually coding creative things. But sometimes it's like, oh, here's 101, like how to code a website in React or whatever. There's a woman named Suze Hinton who works at Microsoft and she does tons of live coding. It can be dryly technical, at least in terms of what you're building. And people like watching it for some reason. I have no idea why. I don't particularly enjoy it, but. I kind
0: of understand that,
1: I think. I mean, one of the nice things about live coding is that it removes the illusion that a lot of people like to maintain that they don't make mistakes. It's a way to really see someone's workflow. And a lot of times when you're watching live coding, you'll be like, wait, how did you press a button and suddenly 10 lines of code appeared? What is that? And then, uh. and then the person can be like, oh, I have this like macro set up w- which automates the creation of X, Y, and Z. So I don't have to type it all. That kind of thing.
0: Yeah, so I am doing a ton of that, which we there should probably you go. get back to. And Hell I'm a yeah! Bit worried that I'm going to be like frowned upon by live coding people for it because it seems like that's not really a thing that people do. No, but everyone but does that. I'm not sure it's a thing that Algorave people do. Though.
1: Oh, that like musical live coders do, but it's a language that's specifically built for performance, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Of which there are several. Several of which I have tried to learn over the last few years. But for some reason, this is the only one that's properly stuck. And it has really stuck to the point that, well, yeah, in the last, I guess, six weeks, I've produced an album in it. From like going from nothing to—I mean, I say it's an album. It's seven tracks. It's a—it's a mini album. It's like right on the edge Ooh, oh, oh, between an, an EP and an LP. I think it just counts as an LP because it's like over the twenty-five minute mark by twenty seconds or something. And it's called "Tell Me I Can Fix This on My Own," and it's coming out on the first of September.
1: It's a short album. It's an albumella.
0: Yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with that. That sounds like that sounds like a thing that. That I would say to be whimsical, um, <laughs> because I am so whimsical. I used to be a front end developer, which is weird to think about now, because I am now largely incapable of doing things that I was getting paid to do like five years ago. Well, you did anyway, the
1: CSS for our website, so
0: that's true. I can. I'm still pretty good at CSS. Yeah. Everything else. Better not. than me. Not so much. Really?
1: Yeah, at least at like making it actually look good.
0: I just, I, I, I use color scheme websites for that. Great. <laughs> I make a robot do it for me. Anyway, yeah, so after I finished my master's and I was trying to get PhD funding, I somehow ended up as a front-end developer for like three years and I was horribly unqualified and hugely underskilled and basically managed to luck my way in. And I was not particularly successful at it. And when I left tech and went back to academia, I didn't miss tech, but I really missed like the process of coding. Like, I used to really, really enjoy, for some reason, the process of typing and making a thing happen. And it was weird because I was doing my PhD and I was like, I'm really enjoying this, but I really miss doing this like, specific task. Hmm. And that was how I ended up dabbling in a bunch of weird, tiny, fun, creative coding projects, which was how I ended up making a bunch of Twitter bots. I made a friend at university who was doing stuff in SuperCollider, and I was like, I should learn SuperCollider. SuperCollider is a programming language for music that's ridiculously powerful and ridiculously complicated and that you can do a million different things with and I tried to teach myself I did a terrible job of teaching myself and then I saw that Stanford University in the US had like a scholarship to go and learn Supercollider I applied for it I got it I went to Stanford this was in 2016 and I was like yes now I'm going to be able to program music it's going to be amazing and then I couldn't do anything with it it was like i could use it as a synthesizer and i could use it to like sculpt all kinds of interesting sounds and stuff but i couldn't figure out how to like write a song with it yeah cu- the composition part of,
1: yeah
0: yeah and also like the performance part. And mm-hmm. I kind of expected to be able to do that because it was so powerful, but it's like it was too powerful. Like you, yep. it's, I think you can do stuff in real time. Like yeah. there are people doing live coding music in Super Collider, but I did not get to that point well, and it was and immensely frustrating.
1: It's sort of legendarily difficult to like a lot Is of it? very, yes, a lot of very smart, very technical musicians that I know have run into the same wall as you. And they're basically like, ugh, I hate Super Collider. Um, or, like, I, I use it, that. but I use it begrudgingly because it's so unfriendly, so.
0: Oh, I had no idea about that. I mean, some people like love
1: it. it. Obviously, there's, there's people who love, you know, who will love anything, but, um, uh, but it's, that's, oh. a, that's a common thing that I hear when I go to, like, creative coding events.
0: Interesting. I, yeah, I, I was just like, well, I guess I'm too lazy for this. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. But then, like, completely by chance, I ended up um, going to a workshop in Sussex, and it was like a creative practice for academics workshop. And there was a guy there whose name is Thor Magnuson, who is the developer of Vixielang, who taught like a mini workshop on it. And I was like, this is amazing. This is completely life changing. I'm going to use this for everything. And then I completely forgot about it. And somehow, six weeks ago, I discovered that I still had the program installed on my computer and I opened it. And then like three (laughs) hours later, I'd finished a song and I was like, oh, this is actually really amazing. And I think I might love it. And the great thing is it's built on top of Super Collider. So you can like build synths for it and stuff in Super Collider. And then you can use it to perform with those synths in like a live context Without wanting to put your entire head through a window because it's so
1: frustrating, so basically, if you need to, you can open up the hood and and tweak it mm-hmm. as you need to using the powerful features of Super Collider, but then you can close the hood and forget about it and like mm-hmm. go back to using the easier thing
0: or you can never open the hood right yeah, yeah. yeah but an it's hood. an option it's an option there it. is an I think you can actually run it. From like I think you can run it within Super Collider at the same time as Super Collider if you are that way inclined. Yes, you can. So how we ended up here was that I wrote this one song in Ixielang. I put it on the internet because Darius is a big snitch, he retweeted it, (laughs) and a bunch of people who actually know about live coding saw it. And then one of them, Alex McLean, who is as far as I can tell, like the elvis of live coding and has developed his own programming language, tidal cycles and all sorts of cool stuff was like, why don't you come and play an algorithm? Well, and I-, I was like, I have no songs. And he was like, can you write more songs? And I was like, yes. Okay. And now, so here we are. So
1: first of all, Emma's talking about like, she put a song up that was just an audio file. But it wasn't. It was a video Mm, of her performing. It was a video of her live coding and performing this and singing along with it, which is actually very unusual when people live code music. Most of the time when people live code music, they're trying to make like, you know, Aphex Twin or something like that. And it's all synths and samples and, and bleeps and bloops and things like that, but no human voice. And what Emma does is like, you do the programming, sequence everything, and 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 play the loops and that sort of thing, but also sing over it,
0: which I didn't realize was that unusual. I assumed that there had to be other people doing it, and it turns out there are not, not, not really. really.
1: Yeah,
0: I found I think two other people who are doing it, and neither of them are doing it in Ixilang. Right. One of them is called Raya, and she's doing kind of singer songwriter stuff with Sonic Pi, and the other are a duo called Scorpion Mouse who were working, I think, in a language called Tidal Cycles, but I'm not completely sure. There's actually not seemingly that many people doing live stuff with Ixi I'm not sure if I've just not found them. There's um, a person called Belisha Beacon who's doing like improvised techno stuff, which is really cool. Um, And Thor, I think, still plays live himself with it sometimes. Um, And he does... From what I can tell from live streams and things, various kind of different styles of sort of sometimes quite experimental, sometimes more dancey stuff. But it's not the most popular language for live coding for reasons that I can't really understand myself. And also, apparently, no one but me is songwriting in it.
1: So, so, so that's pretty that's pretty interesting. And I was very so that's Sorry, why I retweeted because yeah, I was like, this is fucking cool. Thanks. But yeah, so you got invited to an algo rave. Do you want to talk about what an algo rave is?
0: So it's weird because I am now playing an algo rave in Sheffield on the first of September.
1: Sheffield in is that Sheffield, like Sussex?
0: Sheffield in it's the other end of the UK. It's up. It's up. Sussex, Sussex Sheffield is down. Sussex is down. Up. Okay.
1: That's, okay.
0: That's that's how that's. I was going to say that's how you remember it. But, but Sheffield is still you feel in a way England. To remember it. Right? It's
1: not. It's not it so is. far up, but it's not in England it anymore. It is not. Okay.
0: It is still in England.
1: It's not um, at the bottom of the North Sea?
0: I mean, it may be one day. Okay. But not currently. Not yet. Not until more climate change happens. Anyway, my understanding of an algorithm. So I have never been to an algorithm, which this is, this is where it gets weird. I'm playing an algorithm, but I've never actually been to an algorithm.
1: So it's a portmanteau of algorithm and rave. Right?
0: True. Okay. It is. Okay, just wanted to lay that out. My understanding, and I kind of assume that you know more about this than me, because you seem to know a lot of people, or at least a lot of people. I know fucking means.
1: nothing about it.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Why, why do you have so many algorithm people following I just have, well,
1: because I have a lot of creative coders who follow me, so.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, and also because you have 20,000 followers, so like. Well,
1: I mean, I don't really spend time on Twitter people. anymore, so now I have like 100 followers.
0: Well they still think that you're there.
1: That's true, they do. I'm still going to announce our podcast on there, so really, that's what matters.
0: So my understanding of Algrave is that an Algrave is a club night where everyone is live coding. Like, instead of DJs, you just have people live coding. And from what I can tell from, like, live streams that have been put on YouTube and stuff, it's mostly, like, Techno and EDM and stuff that you can probably dance to, but also weird experimental things. And I have basically made an indie pop album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are putting me on in a chill out room. So
1: yeah, well that makes fine, right? I mean people that's the, the, room for, the room for the room for music dance. that you're probably not going to dance to.
0: But there is one banging synthwave track on it. So maybe that is true. It's my favorite
1: track on the album
0: my least favorite track on the album, hey. which probably means it will be the only one that anyone likes. So I guess in two weeks time, I will know more about what an album is.
1: Yeah. September 1st is when you're <laughs> dropping the album, right?
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. So essentially, because the process and the product are kind of the same thing, when you've written a song, you also have like at least part of a releasable version of it. So... I figured I might as well make it into a record and release it on the day that I'm playing the Alcoray. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what's happening. That's
1: awesome. Although that's... Which, I feel like you're underselling it a little bit because the way that you talk about it, it's, you know, the way you're talking about it, like I could imagine it is like if you make a MIDI score of a song and you like lay out all the notes for all the instruments and then you press play and then they all just kind of happen automatically like a player piano. But... um That's not quite how it works in Ixi Lang. Ixi is much more performative. So you're like laying out sort of individual kind of riffs and progressions and stuff and turning them on and off over the course of a song to build up and build back down different parts of the song, right? You're, you're, when you press record. That's
0: exactly what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. So when you press record, it's not like, oh, I set up all these dominoes and now they're going to fall and there's going to be a song at the end. It, there's an actual like labor that goes into it where you are playing the computer like an instrument.
0: That is true. That Yeah, no, that's completely true. But I, I mean, normally my live stuff is done completely with hardware. Like I don't usually use a laptop on stage. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to go from... A live version of a song to a recorded version of a song then I have to kind of sit down and set up an audio interface and like deliberately record everything bit by bit mm-hmm. whereas with this the version that will be played live is essentially identical to the version that like I can just pull the WAV file from the computer like right. I normally would never write I mean I, I normally would never write seven songs in like a month anyway yeah. but, but it also, doesn't sound like that much when i put it like that uh, i don't but, know. I think that's a lot <laughs> eh, eh, eh. I, could, I i could, <laughs> I, could, I i i have I've, I've done more than that in the past but normally i wouldn't like it would take me a lot longer to go from the live versions of songs to the recorded versions of the songs whereas this it was like well now i have a live set yeah
1: there's
0: there's like nothing between me and putting a record out so i may right. as well put a record out
1: right I think what I want to talk about a little bit. I'm going to like give my best shot at like describing what the what the sort of experience of playing music with Ixi Lang is like. Okay. Uh, because I did so like Emma sent me the instructions for how to get it set up and that sort of thing and um and I did play around with it a little bit like enough to make a few loops here and there and like some things that, you know, just just to get my feet wet. First of all, I was struck by just how I don't know, it also kind of matches up with my mental model for how this sort of thing should work. I really, mm-hmm. I really like just doing all this stuff in text. In IxiLang, you sort of like each line is its own kind of atom. Uh, it's, like a, it's like an atomic type thing. And so uh, you might build up one instrument on one line and another instrument on another line and then assign that instrument to a sequence of notes on the next line, Um, and line, instead of, usually when you run a program, you write like line one, line two, line three, and the program goes one, two, three. Mm -hmm. And in ICSI-lang, you write line one, line two, and line three, and then you manually decide whether the computer is going to execute line three now. Okay, now it's gonna do line one, now it's gonna do line two while line one is running, now I'm gonna turn off three. And turn on, so you're sort of switching these code blocks off and on as you perform, Uh, and that's Mm -hmm. a really different flow from the usual one, two, three, four, five linear flow of computer programming. And I think it's really cool.
0: It's similar to how like SuperCollider works, or how like Sonic Pi, which I guess is its nearest competitor, works. Like you can. You can choose which blocks to evaluate. Right. But the limitation with ICSI, which is... I suppose it's the one limitation that I've like actively had to fight with, is you can only evaluate one line at a time. You can't select two lines and run them both. You have to pick one.
1: Oh, interesting. So you can't assign like two instruments to a mixer and then turn the mixer on?
0: You can, but you have to use a function... That is referred to as snapshots, okay, which right. takes it takes a bunch of pre planning and setting stuff up, and yeah. I think that's possibly why I haven't seen it used in live performances very much. Like, mm-hmm. I think people tend to do more kind of line by line, like building stuff up. And right. Like so, it so it
1: doesn't. So, Ixie does not lend itself to a song where like very little is happening and then all of a sudden at the same time, 10 instruments start to play uh, at the...
0: It doesn't, but I have made that
1: Right, with, like with, with careful planning and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't lend itself to that. No. It, what it lends itself to is like, okay, we're on this measure, we bring in instrument one, now we bring mm. in instrument two, now we bring in instrument three and that's gradual build up and build down. Yeah, Yeah. Okay.
0: And like, I suppose why don't I just use Sonic Pi, which can do that, but also can evaluate multiple code blocks at once if you want to. And in all honesty, the reason is because I like how the sequences are displayed in Ixielang so much. How, God, how do I explain it? They're
1: like, I mean, the sequences are arrays, but when they, when you write them out in the editor, they look like little ASCII maps, like a roguelike dungeon or something. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing
0: that's, the thing that's different about it, like as far as I recall, sequences in Super Collider are arrays as well. But the differences in ICSI, the spaces represent time. Like Super Collider and Sonic Pi are not based on visual space. So, like, you program sequences of notes by expressing both like the lengths of, like, you express the notes as numbers or letters, and then you also express the length of the notes as numbers, like, separately. Whereas with ICSI, if you type like a one and you put one space after it and then you type a two, there will be less time between those notes than if you type a one, then put two spaces after it and then type a two. So the length of the space is the length of...
1: Right, each each space is essentially a beat. Yeah. And so as you put more space in between your notes, there's more beats between the notes. Mm. Uh, And one of the things that's cool about it is like, as, I mean, it's not that different from like um, tracker software, for example, that I used to use a lot in high school. Oh, um, yeah, except, it kind of is like. Except that a tracker is limited to like every track is, the, is running on the same um, loop clock, basically. So it's playing mm. all the notes at the same oh, time. Yeah. Whereas in ICSI, you can make one loop that's four beats long and one loop that's three beats long. And then those loops are like in and out of phase every 12 beats.
0: And in fact, it's incredibly easy to do that by accident. <laughs> yeah, which, which is, is awesome. one of my favorite things about it. Like the first song that I wrote was meant to be in 4-4, but I left a space off the end of one of the loops. And now it's in 15-16 instead,
1: yeah. which right. is brilliant. Yeah, it's like, like yeah, it's it, it, it really lends itself to interesting glitches.
0: It really does. And like, I find it quite hard to break out of kind of regular rhythmic sequences, I think because I listen to so much terrible pop music and it's it's kind of completely changed how I think about rhythm in my own songs in six weeks, which is great.
1: I've listened to the album even though not, it's not out because I'm special like that.
0: We are the only two people nice. in the world who have heard it nice. in its entirety.
1: And I think it's my favorite of your albums, or your, I mean, you know, your collections of, including your EPs you. and stuff. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with the rhythm, the rhythmic nature of it. I like weird, complex rhythms. So,
0: I mean, I do too. I just can't normally. Right. Yeah. But
1: write write now you them. do, and suddenly
0: I can, which yeah. is amazing. It's good. It's like it's it's incredibly simple. It's by far the simplest music programming language I've ever tried. But also, you can do a bunch of really weird stuff with it, not even on purpose. Right, which is ideal <laughs> I believe, in fact, Thor has described it as the ukulele of live coding oh which um
1: right, because it's you know it's got all know, that kind of easy it's, to pick up and learn it's and, yeah,
0: you know. it has a very, very shallow learning
1: curve, right. Have you had other like instances in your life of like just coming across a tool where suddenly something that didn't make sense before now? makes sense.
0: I mean, that's kind of my whole approach to to songwriting is really really tool-based actually. I think that's kind of how I've ended up making the music that I've ended up making. Like if I am stuck or I'm out of ideas, my strategy is always just to move to a different tool. Like the the Teenage Engineering Pocket Operators, which are like little tiny things that look like novelty calculators. I own I own two of them and one of them is kind of it's kind of like a fully fledged like mini drum machine synth sequencer just on its own and it's like about the size of a credit card and it has 16 very difficult to press buttons and it can only play in certain keys and it only has certain chords available to it and consequently that makes it really awesome for songwriting when I'm stuck and I have a song which was written on that after the bathroom in my flat caught fire and, <laughs> and the fire brigade came and it was very stressful and I was like I just I'm just gonna go to bed for the rest of the day but when I was in bed the pocket operator was within reach and because I'm very easily bored I was like maybe I will mess around with the pocket operator and then there was a a finished song that came out of it which and I was I was not in a brain space that I would have been able to write a song without the sheer number of limitations that it places on you right and and the final song is almost there's very little added to it from what came out of the pocket operator and that's not always the case but even if I had added stuff to it it's the whole kind of the whole kind of structure and approach to the song was dictated by the limitations of the interface Mm -hmm. which is really really often the beginning to a song especially if I don't kind of have a pre-existent idea of like a particular thing that I want to write I will just like choose a device that is appropriate to like wherever I am or however I'm feeling and let that kind of dictate it.
1: Yeah, I feel that way about my SP-404. I find it easier to, to make sort of like sequenced hip hop and stuff with that little device, which is much bigger than a pocket operator, but uh, not that much bigger. It's, it's the size of maybe a book. I mean, I, th- I do think affordances are always a form of limitation, but limits are good. They're really good. Limits are great. Yeah,
0: but then also trying to get around limits is great. Yeah, I had a couple of days like fairly early on in learning XyLang where I was, I was desperately trying to figure out how to switch between like blocks of instruments, and I couldn't get snapshots working, and I really thought that it was going to be the end of me being able to use it as like a sole live performing thing. Because I thought it just wasn't possible. But because I don't know when to quit ever, I just decided I was going to figure out a way to force it to do it. (laughs) And I managed to. (laughs) Nice. And it's not like, it's not ideal. It's not what it's made for, but it's workable. And it's workable in a live context. And uh, yeah, I've like, there's a couple of songs on the record, which are very much kind of working with, what the software wants to do and just kind of building up lines and taking them away and like sticking to the same chord sequence all the way through but there's also a couple of songs where i'm forcing it to do things that it's not really designed for but it turns out it's totally possible to do
1: nice yeah i mean obviously that reminds me of the wonderful limitations of twitter and twitter bots and stuff and how it can be fun to mess with those limitations in certain ways like when people do glitch unicode in tweets and that kind of thing and and, and it sort of of breaks the frame or or that kind of stuff
0: oh that's interesting i hadn't even thought about that yeah we are in fact making this on the day of the death of twitter bots though right
1: yeah that is true today is the day that the streaming api is going away i mean it's many twitter bots will continue to exist but uh, it is kind of a symbolic death of twitter bots day today so
0: all my worst ones are getting deleted so it's just quality control for me
1: r.i.p sorting hat bot
0: oh god i bet you have a lot of really sad teenagers there in the are a lot right of
1: sad people right now i posted a very uh, mournful poem on the account so
0: <laughs> oh god just to make them even sadder. oh no, yeah
1: yeah people are people are yeah people are sad it's good <laughs> good times it is good, good times, times. Thank you so much for listening to us talk about nature's ukulele. This has been Too Much, Not Enough. I'm Darius Kazemi, a.k.a. Darius at friend.camp on Mastodon or tinysubversions.com.
0: I'm Emma Winston, a.k.a. Deerful on Twitter, formatted deer like the animal underscore F-U-L. Or you can find me on emmawinston.me.